What's up? What's up, Buttercup? What's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> We're taxing time. What's up, man? <laughs> Well, we're all just lifelike today. We've all been working. I'm, for a, Tesla. I'm a literal zombie today. <laughs> zombie, zombie. So how did we arrive at tonight's topic, Tesla? Uh, you walked into the bedroom and said, I want to talk about Robert Ripley. Because I was reading and this I was article. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, we had this magazine. Really awesome magazine. What's it called? I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, Strange Tales of Discovery. Oh, well, yeah. Hmm. He came in all excited and he was like, hey, I want to talk about Robert Ripley. And well, I was one, like, okay. This one's all you guys because I did no research. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. The most I know about the man is he found a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> That's basically what everybody knows about him. <laughs> but there's so much more. There's so much more. Uh, he found more weird stuff? I mean, like... <laughs> He is kind of a hero because he kind of he kind of is what got me into the the strange and weirdness because sitting as a I'm going to show my age and for the people that know who Jack Palance was I was originally watching the show on Sci-Fi yeah what Sci-Fi was legit and actually pretty cool and show uh-huh. shows that were Sci-Fi yeah instead of Sharknado yeah well I, mean, that, I need to silence my phone yeah. Uh, back during, back during the days and when preschool last or when kindergarten lasted half a day, and I could come home and watch Incredible Hulk and Ripley's Blackford or Yachts, and that's where the days, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, well, you are the uh, you are the one that is in charge of this one, friend. I'm in charge have... of this one. The bulk of the uh, the research, so you go for it. Yeah. So, like I said, the uh, majority of what I what I'm going to be talking about comes out of this uh, magazine that Tessa got from the library called Strange Tales of Discovery, and uh, they did this awesome article about him, and I learned a couple of things that I didn't know. Um, he was nicknamed the Modern Marco Polo because he traveled to more countries than any other person at that time. Um, and a few people like this one, I didn't know this one. I mean, I thought he just, I know he was a cartoonist, but I didn't realize that he started off with a uh, magazine called, um, Chumps and Champs. And, uh, basically that's how he got his start, um, by doing like odd hmm. sports memorabilia and, and odd oh. sports cartoons and stuff like that. Okay. But, uh, just to give a little rundown uh, of him, um, uh, he had over 10,000 cartoon panels and uh, over 10,000 of his cartoons have appeared in uh, publications since the 1920s uh, when he first started drawing them. And today there's over 32 auditoriums slash museums. I've been to one of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll, we'll, for the sake of it, we'll call them auditoriums because that's what they are. Uh, yeah, downtown Gatlinburg's got one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and aquariums. Uh even though he passed in 1949, his name still lives on. So, through through these, 
you know. I didn't even think about the aquarium. That just didn't come yeah, into my aquariums. mind. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, I guess uh, so. He was born Leroy Robert Ripley somewhere around the ni- 1890s. And it's it's pretty... Leroy! <laughs> and it's pretty funny Ripley. because... Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, uh, and it's pretty funny because he nobody knows the exact date because he never told the exact date. Of his birth? Of his birth, yeah. So. <laughs> when were you born? It's a secret. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Shut up. He reported, he reported very inconsistently when people asked. Uh, so and people frequently did ask. So <laughs> and, uh, uh, He moved to San Francisco in 1909 and later in 1930. 13, sorry. On the advice of friends, uh, his uh, his friend Jack London, oh, Call who, the wrote, Wild. Who, wrote, who wrote Call of the Wild, yeah, uh, he moved to New York for a job at the Globe. Fun side fact: Jack Lan- uh, Jack London was also a very very interesting dude. <laughs> yeah, he traveled just about as much as Ripley yeah. did and stuff too, because that's. Uh, so in nineteen, what did I say? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yes, he traveled to the the Globe in New York. Uh, it's here that he created his now famous feature cartoon, Believe It or Not, which showcased bizarre and interesting facts from around the world. The story goes that in December 1918, on a slow day in the office, he took some odd sports achievements and did up a cartoon illustration called Champs and Chumps. The cartoon was immediate success. Uh, and then when he started compiling more odd stories into it, that's when the name Believe It or Not uh, first started appearing on the cover of these cartoons and stuff. Um, and in 1922, as his cartoons popularity grew, so did the number of letters he received from around the world. Once, once he started growing, he moved to the evening post, the New York evening post in 1923, where his cartoons just exploded, where Mm -hmm. he, where he become a national icon and become a household name. Uh, B I O N, believe it or not. The two stories that propelled him to stardom uh, were a story about Charles Lindbergh being the 67th person to cross the Atlantic Ocean and the fact that the United States had not officially made the Star Spangled Banner the national anthem. Yeah, he was indirectly responsible for making the Star Spangled Banner our national anthem. Yep, and that it ironically was the tune of a British drinking song. And it was also during this time that he dropped, uh, during the first time that he dropped Leroy and just went with uh, Robert. So he so he went as, he went by as Robert L. Ripley. Hmm. Um, when he started gaining fame and his, his fortunes, uh, he started writing a cartoon called Ripley's Ramblings Around the World, where he traveled to 201 countries. And the strangest thing he claimed he saw was... Uh, he brought attention to uh, the exotic world of China, uh, showing the Spirit Way, a road featuring huge life-size statues of animal-like elephants. Uh, human-like, you know, it was the size of the size of elephants, but they were human-shaped. And... Animal-like elephants, so. Yeah, animal-like elephants. And he was the first to draw attention to the, uh, the, the tombs of the Ming Dynasty, which are one of the oh. most popular... Uh, attractions in China. In 1923, um, there was so much, so many letters was coming to him that he needed help. Oh. And uh, he hired a man named uh, Norbert Perloff. 
And what was so interesting about Mr. Perloff was is that he he didn't want attention. He didn't want as much attention as Robert L. Ripley did. So he just kind of just stayed in the background doing the research and whatnot and all this stuff. But Mr. Perloff, he could uh, speak over 11 different languages. Ooh. Oh. So that was, that was very uh, essential to Robert. And he worked from 1923 to 1975. Uh, and he continued the Ripley's name. He was one that was instrumental in um, opening up the auditoriums and stuff and carrying on Ripley's name and stuff after he died. Yeah. Um, Perloff worked more than 10 hours a day, six days a week, and it is estimated he examined some 7,000 books every year. Oh. Wow. So, uh, and he never missed a deadline for a story. And he spent 52 years as the features researchers finding and and verifying unusual facts for Ripley. So, in 1929, uh, Ripley decided that he was going to uh, branch out and joined King Feature Syndicate, which picked up uh, Ripley's cartoons, uh, and it was and they were featured in almost 300 newspapers from that oh. point on. So, uh, the same year, believe it or not, book featuring a collection of Ripley columns was published by Simon and Schuster, and it was a commercial hit, selling more than 500,000 copies within the first six months. Uh, Ripley's salary during the Depression was over a hundred thousand plus. Oh well, so <laughs> he was so he was doing very well for himself then. Yeah, uh, he received a hundred thousand plus salary from a newspaper mogul, William Randolph Hearst. Oh, so I know that name. Yep, followed by endorsement deals, speaking engagements, earnings from his best-selling books, radio shows, movies, and museums, and also during the Depression time. He was earning well over half a million dollars a year. Oh. So, <laughs> hmm. he was a very rich dude during the Depression. Uh, so much so that he, it allowed him to buy a small island off the coast of New York. Oh. To what she named to be I-O-N, the believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, he lived in a be- big, beautiful 28-room mansion. And uh, it became something of an artifact itself because he would he would throw lavish parties and stuff, but he would never attend them. He would always be out in his boat sailing around the coast. <laughs> come party at my house, y'all. Yeah, I won't be there, but just come party. Uh, <laughs> let me let me spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on all of this yeah. party stuff. I'm gonna go sail my boat. But after he died, though, it it was turned into a. Uh, Auditorium. It was. T- it was turned yeah. into. It was turned into one of his museums. I just imagine like the the, the island being kind of small, and you can see the house from like all of the shoreline, and him just sailing his boat around the shoreline, just yeah. looking at the house the whole time. It's like <laughs> better not mess up any of my stuff. Yeah, looking through a pair of binoculars. Oh, <laughs> uh, and he was always wanting to try new forms of media. Uh, in 1930, he began hosting a, a successful weekly radio show which ran continuously until 1944. Ripley also filmed 24 movie shorts, which back in a short was 12 to 15 minutes, for Warner Brothers. And in not, uh, between 1931 and 1932, um, that was the Warner Brothers, that's when he was working for Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, and in 1933, he opened his first auditorium in Chicago. Hmm. So. Uh, but on March 1st, 1941... Uh, he ventured into television with the show Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. 
Uh, but sadly, it only uh, taped for 13 episodes uh, <clears throat> because, oddly enough, he was focusing on taps. He was focusing on, focusing on funeral songs Oh, when uh, he fell unconscious at his desk and uh, suffered a heart attack. Oh. Uh, he later checked into the hospital where he died of a massive heart attack on March 27th, 1949. Huh. So... Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Ripley's always been a childhood hero. <laughs> he lived an unbelievable life. Yeah. Traveling like, to two. Believe it or not. Believe, believe it, it or, or not. not. <laughs> uh, traveling to 201 different countries and seeing all the stuff that he saw. Because, I mean, like, he was the first, like I said, he was the first to bring attention to the Ming Dynasty and the tombs there. And uh, But it was also, he also would bring back shrunken heads. Yeah, yeah. To I where, remember seeing those in the, in the yeah, museum or to, auditorium. To like, he would show off and stuff and be like, you know, this is where I found these at. And <laughs> <laughs> but people were fascinated by him. They still are. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, what was it you, that you found? Well, I ha- well, I have just like, I have random stuff. So, when he was a boy in in Santa Rosa, California, he bought these five-cent postcards. It was a, a copy of a Russian painting called The Boyar Wedding Feast. Mm-hmm. And um, according to this magazine in 1946, he tried to recreate it himself. And when his syndicated feature made him rich, he bought the original and has refused $75,000 for it. Oh. So he liked it so much that he bought <laughs> postcards of it and tried to paint it, and then he was like, eh, I'll just buy it. <laughs> One of his favorite pastimes was baseball, and he played semi-professional baseball till he broke his hand. Yeah. Um, income from his column, books, and speaking engagements kind of defied the norms of, well, because this was in the midst of the Great Depression, right? So... Regardless, he did so well that his annual salary rivaled that of Hollywood stars James Cagney and Gary Cooper, who earned $368,000 and $328,000, respectively, in the 30s. He was a handball champion uh, when he was living at the New York Athletic Club in 1919, and he he loved it so much that he literally wrote the book on it. Literally. Hmm. Literally wrote the book on it. Huh. Didn't you get when when I read about the half million dollars was a salary? You looked it up, didn't you? Uh, inflation and stuff. I did. Now I think it was eight million. Look it up and see. You got your phone. See. Look it up with inflation. <laughs> Let's see. His did you say how much he paid for his uh personal his personal island? No. Eighty five thousand dollars. Eighty five thousand dollars. And the mansion on it had twenty eight rooms. Yeah, I think I did say that. Mm-hmm. And he also kept several pets at his home on BION Island, including a 28-foot boa constrictor named Gertie. Huh. And he also raised Dalmatians and donated them to the fire department. Hmm. And despite having an island for, an, for a home and being a, a sailor and sailing across and staring at people partying in his house as he sailed the coastlines or whatever, he could not swim. In 1936, 
Ripley won the majority of votes in a poll taken by the Boys Club of New York that asked children who they wanted to be when they grew up. In similar polls across the country, he beat out President Franklin Roosevelt, boxer Jack T- Jack Dempsey, and auto tycoon Henry Ford. So he was the most popular. That's who kids wanted to be when they grew up, he not, beat out not th- the president. Yeah, he beat out three of the most popular names of the time. And hmm. So... With inflation from 1929, uh, he would have been earning $7.5 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He once received a shrunken head from Ecuador in the mail, and attached was a note that read, Please take care of this. I think it's one of my relatives. Oh. Oh, gosh. Let's see what else I've got. Like, I've got random stuff. <clears throat> like the TV show. If you ever watch, if you ever get a chance, I know it's on YouTube because I've been I've been watching. Did you talk about when he collapsed? What he was doing? He was doing research on funeral. He collapsed during the broadcast of his thirteenth episode of his NBC television program on May twenty fourth, nineteen forty nine. Yeah, about funeral. The songs. episode featured a tribute to the military funeral song Taps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he died three days later. He died three days later. Um, if you get a chance, go to go to YouTube and watch some of the old Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's like there's there's like one or two episodes of him yeah. on there. He was an odd fellow. Like he, you could just tell that he was a really odd fellow. But uh, Jack, there's an episode with Jack Plants on there, and I highly recommend watching that. Uh, but then, like, it was canceled, and I think Dean Kane later on picked it up. Yeah, he did. after I after, after, he after did. the Superman yeah. after Superman Adventures of Lois and Clark fell fell through. Yeah. But the New York Times voted him the most popular man in America as well, beating out uh, President Franklin Roosevelt. Well, that's wow. cool. Huh. Um, but I think that, I think they're going to revive the show sometime, I think. I think they may already have. I'm going to look it up. Yep. But if you go, I mean, there's so many different things that he has dabbled in, that, and now this his namesake has spread to all this different stuff. And there's a super cool website. It's just Ripley's Believe It or Not. I think it's just Ripley's.com. And they do, like, um, weird news stories and all kinds of crazy stuff. And so I wanted, I was just looking around, and I thought this was fascinating. So this was just featured on their uh, on their site today. And the article is titled, Scans Reveal Self-Mummified Body Inside of Ancient Statue. So I was kind of telling Josh about this a little bit. Um, Drents Museum and Meander Medical Center recently used CT scanning and endoscopy to take a peek inside a 1,000-year-old Buddhist statue and found something completely beyond their expectations. While it was already known that there was a mummified body inside... The staff was unanimously surprised to find a lack of internal organs. Instead, the mummy had an empty chest cavity filled with only a rotting piece of paper. The paper was extracted and inspected, and the lettering was identified as ancient Chinese with the man's name. His name was Lu Quan, and he was a successfully preserved example of self-mummification. Hmm. Yeah, That's which is wild. a practice that is now outlawed for good reason. Yeah. So, I didn't know anything about this. So, I was reading. Um, Buddhist monks at this time viewed the long and excruciating practice of self-mummification to be the epitome of enlightenment. 
So it's a long, painful process, right? Mainly practiced in Japan. It was a grueling process that required a monk to follow a strict 1,000-day diet of nuts and seeds in order to strip the body of all fat. And then they would do another 1,000-day diet comprised of bark and roots. So at the end of this period, the monk would begin drinking poisonous tea made from the sap of the Japanese varnish tree. And varnish is what it sounds like. You use it to lacquer things. So he was lacquering his insides. It caused hmm. uh, profuse vomiting and rapid loss of bodily fluids and basically made the body too poisonous for even bacteria or insects to eat it. Oh. Yeah. So then, by then, you're essentially a living skeleton. Uh, you're placed in a stone tomb, barely larger than the body, uh, in the lotus position, which is equipped with an air tube and a bell. You don't move from the lotus position, and every day you ring the bell to let everybody outside know that you're alive. And then when the bell stops ringing, you're presumed dead, they take the air tube out, and the tomb is just sealed. So after another thousand days, then the tomb is opened to check whether or not um, the mummification had been successful. Of the hundreds of monks that tried this horrifying process, only a few dozen actually became self-mummified. And they are venerated in temples as a Buddha. So they found this, this statue, and it's like... I wish that you could see it through the microphone. That's what he was in. Oh. We'll post a picture of it. I'll save it right Wait, now. I wonder if that's where they got the idea of the, uh, the Sheikah tribe in Breath of the Wild. I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. You, you know, mm -hmm. in the yeah. shrines? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So that fascinated me. This entire website is fascinating. You should go and look. And if you've never been to a Ripley's Museum, you should go. Absolutely. They mm -hmm. just they, they just got done redoing the one in uh, Gatlinburg. Yeah. So they do have a new version of the show slated to come out this year. Yeah. Actually. They just announced it last month. There we go. Yeah. Guess who's uh who's gonna be hosting? I don't know. Bruce Campbell. That's what? right, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember That's now. Fabulous. Yeah. Ew. More about mummies, since we're just on this path. And this is on Ripley's website. Yeah, and I'm just I'm randomly poking around, so I'm essentially reading to you. But the uh, the title of this caught my eye. Thousands want to drink the mummy juice from an ancient sarcophagus. First of all, mummy ew, juice. Ew. Oh yeah, this was a new thing. Like last year, it, it was a real, real thing. Ew. Adventurous in individuals are clamoring to drink contaminated red liquid contained inside an ancient Egyptian sarcophagus with the hopes of gaining mystical powers. Huh? That's how you become a Power Ranger. Drink mummy juice. <laughs> you drink mummy That's juice. how you become dead. <laughs> Probably. He, the dude that wants to do it has posted a petition on change.org and he's a video games producer. That's how zombies happen. Yeah, that's how that's how uh, plagues have died out 10,000 yeah. years ago resurface. You remember when they opened King Tut's tomb? Yeah. Yeah. The curse. Or it's kind of like or 
thousand year mold. Yeah. <laughs> and like if you ever watched the new Tomb Raider movie, the the what happens at the end when they open up the, the Queen Stone mm-hmm. and they all just shrivel this up is, and die. This yeah. is wild. McKendrick, a video games producer, is imploring the King of Skeletons in Egypt to allow people to quote Drink the red liquid from the cursed dark sarcophagus in the form of some sort of carbonated energy drink so we can assume its powers and finally die. End quote. <laughs> the skeleton king. <laughs> Believe it or not. Believe it or not. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Josh said, when you read your article, you have to go, Believe it or not at the end of it. Yeah. And that's how I said I was going to do it, so I just did it. Believe it or not. Wow. I wonder. I wonder what Ripley would have thought about the internet. <laughs> he probably would have had a field day with it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <It's just, laughs> TV was just now getting off its ground when he when he died. Yeah. So this article is weird. I don't want to drink the mummy juice. If I knew I wasn't drinking it, I probably would. <laughs> 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 I mean, if you Just put it here, drink this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What was in that mummy juice? What ten thousand year old mummy guts? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I mean, if you put it in Red Bull, I mean, it couldn't hurt the taste of Red Bull. I mean, no, or Monster <laughs> or something. Ew. I gave up drinking just that crap, ew. and I just can't. I just can't think of. Uh, I still drink Monsters every now and then. Yeah, but you're an <laughs> IT guy. You have to have the energy. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> to build electronics. And... He's got to run the hospital. <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah, actually. Yeah, he's got he's the lifeblood of the hospital. Do your hair and nails actually grow after you die? Are you polling? Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Right, yeah, a little bit because it's still an active living cell. Yeah. In today's world, many misconceptions have been perpetuated, becoming modern-day facts, when in reality, myths and hearsay have taken over. Sorry to burst your bubble, but in this weekly column, Ripley puts those delusions to the test, turning your world upside down, because you can't always believe it. Today, post-mortem hair and nail growth. Okay. 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 I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay. I know what hair's made out of. Huh. So if we know hair and nails can't grow without living structures to, to produce them, why do people think they do? So obviously they don't. So, sorry to burst your bubble. So the past 30-some years of Hollywood, me watching them break open coffins. It's a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. Who would have thought that movies aren't real? Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? That Steven Spielberg would lie to me for my money. How long long does it really take to digest swallowed gum? How long do they say it takes? How long Uh, have you heard? 17 years. No. I heard heard it was like seven seven, years. Seven years, yeah. Seven or eight years. No. Wrong. Uh, Several parts of gum that digest as easily as other foods. Oh, it just passes like other stuff does. Well, I mean, I figured. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, so Mom. So there you have it. You won't <laughs> have to wait until a more futuristic time to see the gum you ate today pass through your system. 
Most of the time, a person can swallow gum safely without any problems, and it will no longer be in their system in less than a week. But, but, dun, dun, dun. in some rare cases, there have been individuals, usually children, who have seen issues associated with gum swallowing, i.e. constipation. <laughs> huh? Otherwise known as. A paper that was published in 1998 described the experiences of three children who needed surgery to remove giant masses of indigestible matter, also known as a... Turd? (laughs) (laughs) Where's my Harry Potter fans hat? A bazaar. A bazaar, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this was an episode of Ripley's Believe It or Not. I think at one time. Because I remember... It was either that or Histories of, uh, Mysteries of the Museum on Discovery Channel. Because I, mean, I remember they actually had the wad of whatever that come out of the You kids. just shouldn't swallow gum. Period. Uh, really. I guess. I do what I want. Yeah. Well, fine. <laughs> we'll just cut you open and take your bazaar out and use it to cure poisons. Cool. Then I will shove it down my throat when I'm being poisoned. <laughs> With you a side are, of mummy juice. You are so Ron Weasley. <laughs> nice. And I'm your Hermione. Red, red hair and all. Yeah, well. As she knits. <laughs> as she knits as the episode goes on. I'm not knitting. I am crocheting. Good sir. Oh. One needle versus two. <laughs> oh my. Believe it or not. Uh, believe it. Or not. That's what I got for you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, tonight's episode. That was a short episode. The lighthearted episodes are the shortest. <laughs> yeah. I can remember going through Ripley's Museum when I was young. And there was like this thing about... Um, creeper. There was like oh, this thing don't, about... Don't do that. I hear noises. It's not me. <laughs> Uh, being able to turn your eyes two different directions, and I was like, I can do that. I can do that too. Can you? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Don't do it. And then it was like people that can fold their tongue weird, and I was like, I can do I that can too. Do that. Just put me in this museum. Please don't get stuck. Please don't get stuck. <laughs> I can do it in several different directions. I can too. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. Weird a people. Bit. That's the reason you why. Can you... Also, pop my thumbs out of their joints. That's the reason why you all have eye pop problems, it, and I don't. The, pop into the can you, you can't. You them? can't hear it. Oh, uh, you can hear mine. Are you ready? It's silent. Are you ready? Do but it. you got the headphones on, man. Tessa, don't because you'll probably pop you back out, please. Oh, <laughs> stop! <laughs> stop! This, one, this one's grosser. This is my wrist. Ready? Oh. Wow! <laughs> oh, that's one of the worst sounds ever. Wow. <laughs> and this is my pinky. <laughs> I wonder if I can make my... That's all I got. <laughs> no. I'm in hell. I mean, that's, that's terrible. This one, that's rough. That one does it too, just not as pretty. Yeah, you weird people, and you can move your eyes in different directions. with the two worst eyesights in the room. I can. True. You ready? You want to see? I got to cross them. Don't! First. Them eyes are worth... Thousands. I don't even have to cross mine. I can just make them go whichever direction I want to. I'm like a freaking chameleon. 
<laughs> we need to do that. We need to turn our eyes two different ways. You need to take a picture of us, and we'll post it with the episode. <laughs> Me and Ty like, Durr, over here. <laughs> Uh, uh, popping my joints. Uh, <laughs> the, the auditorium down in Gatlinburg, too, has got the cool little... I always love passing by the big stone that's like... The big ball on the outside? Yeah, it's like oh, hundreds yeah. of tons, uh, but you where it's on water, you can push it easily. Yeah. I remember a lot of things from that, from that museum, but uh, I always was fascinated by the mock electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> Death is <laughs> the most fascinating thing of and all. There's, there's like the uh, the two headed goat and stuff like that in yeah, there. Man. Yeah. We need to go because they just they just redid it, like you said, and they're supposed to have put new stuff. so much more stuff into it. Yeah. So we need to go. I like new stuff. I think the last time that I went, we were on our honeymoon. Maybe it was just me and you that went. And when do we ever get to go anywhere, just me and you? We did the other night. I mean, you know, Valentine's Anywhere Day. overnight. <laughs> overnight and away from where we live. But. We're going to go watch a rock show on Sunday. Nice. Saturday. The, uh, the aquarium really, I don't know why it's called Ripley's Aquarium. Because it's really not a. Because well, of I mean, all the ripples. We know less about the sea than we do space. That is fact. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. I don't think that's true. I'm looking it up. <laughs> I don't. I don't know because I don't want to go to neither one of them because the ocean scares the piss out of me, and space I'll never get there. Cthulhu. So, yeah. <laughs> Cthulhu. That's the only. That's the only reason I need to not go very deep in the ocean. Yes. Why we've explored more of space than the ocean, so we know more about space than we do the ocean. Ha! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. This volume of the Life strange is found all the way from the surface to the very bottom of the deepest part. Which is seven and a half miles down. Uh huh. Because of this, the ocean contains ninety nine percent of the living space on the planet. Wow. This uh, strange tales of discovery magazine costs eight dollars and ninety five cents, nine dollars and ninety five cents a Canada, or two coconuts. Or two coconuts. Hmm? Does it really say that? Yeah, or two coconuts. That's there at the top. It really does say that. <laughs> World Explorer. Is that what it says? What it's called? Two coconuts. That's fantastic. Uh, I can I can attest that's a lie because I've stocked coconuts this morning and they're like five dollars or something a piece. So yeah, <laughs> that's a rip off. But I would try to buy it with two coconuts just to see if I could. I mean, I'm sure in places where there's an abundance of coconuts, they're probably I'm sure, cheaper. Yeah, well, there's an abundance of coconuts. We don't grow those here. Okay. <laughs> uh, but. Um, Fish represent 50% of all vertebrae species, outnumbering all mammals, birds, reptiles, and amphibians combined. Fish, Fish are armies. weird. I just go to Ripley's Museum Fish just for, are weird. The, for, for the, uh, the aquarium, just for the penguins. I mean, they're, uh, yeah. yeah. They're cool they stuff. are cool. They had otters the last time I was they there. They did have otters last time we were there, too. I love otters. Baby otters. 
They love otters. Now they do. Now they do in the ba- in the bottom part of it have that freaking uh, king snow crab or Japanese emperor crab, whatever that I refuse. To oh know. yeah. Oh, those are creepy. Uh, yeah. The gigantic crab. Because they're like the largest living species. Or they're like, terrifying. They're like the size of this table. <laughs> And that one that they've got, they said is like over like two or three hundred years old or something like yeah. that. And then they have the horseshoe crabs, which are, I wouldn't even really count those as a crab. So, so I guess there is some oddities in the Ripley's Aquarium, now that I sit here and think about it. Huh. Think about that really, 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 really ugly fish. That looks like a big blob of Play-Doh. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The blobfish? Is it just called it's blobfish? Called the, is it blob or I think it's the ugly fish. Or, yeah, it's something like it's that. It's a blobfish, I'm blobfish? pretty sure. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of that thing. Yeah. It's so hideously ugly. Which I guess is, you know. Blobfish. It, blobfish. Blobfish. Yeah. There's also one. Hold on. I gotta find it. I like how they do all the traveling exhibits, too, at those. Yeah. <laughs> the bony-eared ass fish. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. This is an actual thing. That sounds like Albus. Or Has the smallest brain-to-body weight ratio of all known vertebrates. <laughs> what? <laughs> I found it in a meme. It was like, why did scientists roast this fish? <laughs> wow. I just typed in weird fish as a search, and I hope it doesn't bring me anything <laughs> too weird. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To show you the Dumbo octopus, because they're the best octopus. No. Look up the Dumbo octopus. The. It's the most adorable Dumbo thing you'll ever see in your life. Octopus. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let me see. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. What? So, uh. We're found on Instagram, and if you have us on Instagram, you can uh, send us a message of your favorite Ripley's Auditorium. Yeah, tell us what you remember about visiting a Ripley's location. And just send us send us a picture of uh, your favorite oddity from Ripley's. You just just look at this little guy. He's so cute. He is. He's so cute. <laughs> he is so cute. I have to find a video of. Said Dumbo octopus. So, uh, as Ty looks up the Dumbo octopus, Tessa, where are we found? Uh, we are found everywhere. And nowhere we at the same time. We exist in space. Oh, Lord, after being Kingdom Hearts 3, that has a way new meaning to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. We exist in a different timeline. Um, we are on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, all of those places at History by Idiots or History Told by Idiots. No, History by Idiots. History by Idiots. History by Idiots. And uh, our website is www.historybyidiots.com. Uh, you can find us everywhere from there. So if you just if you want to find us somewhere, go to our website and it will link you to where we're found. Listen. You can listen to us on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, all those good places that you normally listen to podcasts, you can find us there. Listen, tell your friends about Instagram. Flood our Instagram because they're pissing me off. Because I hate that one day we have 200 and some and 260 some, and then the next day we have like 230 some. You do realize that people like just... Yeah, I know the whole bot program and bot... Yeah. Well, not not even that. Like people will go through and... uh, 
like your po- uh, like your podcast so they can get likes on their page. Yeah. And then like unfollow you. Well, that's what I'm saying. We need actual followers instead of these stupid bots. <laughs> Do you want to be a follower? A follower. Follow us. Watch this little dude. <laughs> Look at his little ears. It's like an Albus fish, but it's not eating itself. He gets shy and hides his face. Aww. <laughs> so cute that's ridiculous i've never wanted to have a pet octopus before <laughs> no pet rats are enough including the, the biggest one of all which is eating himself our dog yes <laughs> all right since we're told by idiots so yeah yeah eat i crochet some stuff you crochet that stuff you crochet. i am love history <laughs> Love your library. Yeah, love. Y'all say it.